1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How are you all doing? I say that with a little bit of a somber voice because, well, there's a lot going on and I appreciate that it's hard for us to maybe tap into the positives and uh, we're going to open the show or spend a lot of time talking about a topic I thought I'd never have to and It's coming out of a bunch of different research I was looking at about, um, you know, with abortions being a crime in several states, how do we really protect ourselves Um, and our data and our privacy and boundaries and making sure that some of this information isn't put in the wrong hands uh, because they're talking about laws where someone can turn you in for having gotten an abortion. So, um, you know, why does this make sense on Loveline? Because it's a mental health issue. You know, our sense of safety, our sense of body autonomy, all powerfully connected, any form of oppression or violence is a mental health issue. And it's important that we talk about this. I never thought I'd have to, it's very heartbreaking. So before we get into that, um, I do wanna acknowledge that you know I'm never a fan of denying feelings or illegitimizing them. Mental health is feeling all of our feelings, feeling a full range of feelings and feeling all of them deeply. I do wanna remind us that it is important that we do tap into and carve out time and space for joy, that there is joy occurring while all these other things are happening and we can hold space for both. In fact, it's mandatory we hold space for both. I want people that are trying to be Um, ignorant or in denial of what's happening to lean into what's happening and to feel the fear and anxiety of what's going on around us. That is what motivates us to create change. So I want people to have a foot in both worlds. Please get your hand out your head out of the sand and be aware of what's happening. But then at the same time, like I said, I want us to hold space for some moments of celebration and happiness and joy. We can still laugh. You know, we can both honor what's going on and do what we can about what's going on while also still posting and laughing at funny memes and TikTok videos. It is not a um, erasure or denial of what we need to be doing or what's happening. And this, I'll always remember this. I don't know why this stayed with me, but when I was in high school, a friend of mine, um, not that close of a friend, but her father had died. And it was so strange. I remember, I think it was like a day or two after her father's passing. And we were walking by somewhere in school. And she was laughing and 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 dancing or being silly. And I remember someone being so bothered by that, saying how inappropriate, you know, her father just died. Shouldn't she be sad? Like what's wrong with her? And I thought, nothing's wrong with her. She could, this is a healthy part of mourning where I'm sure she's living full blown in the absence or loss of her father or not. Maybe it's celebratory. Maybe her father was an abusive, violent man. I don't know, but nonetheless, it's okay. While things are happening and things are bad and we're in grief and we're in loss, And we're in fear and we're in anxiety to also connect to humor and joy i don't know if i shared this on the show but when 9 11 happened uh and again i don't know why this stuck with me but there was an interview done with drew barrymore the actress now talk show host bizarre to me but nonetheless um and she was talking about how in the industry people were talking about right after 9-11 returning to producing television and theater and how every woman had shame about it and they were saying and she did as well she's like how can we after um uh sorry it wasn't nine uh yeah it was nine eleven. right was it 9-11 yeah I think it was 9-11 and uh, sorry my my brain's flustered there's there's so much going on I it's hard to pinpoint where these things are connected but I believe it was 9-11, and she was saying, you know, I felt a lot of shame even beginning to talk about producing films again because she has a production company. And then she said, I was reminded, though, that we, we we need it more now. We need entertainment and distraction and joy now more than ever, that in times of difficulty, we do need to have these healthy, these healthy coping mechanisms where, again, we tap into the things that are going on that are okay or, again, time away from the heaviness and the darkness of all that's happening. So I want to remind us, it's okay to still laugh. That's not to dishonor what's going on. And in fact, for people that are really clued into what's going on, it's mandatory. Activists don't want... To have um, compassion fatigue and to burn out, we can't be constantly living in a state of activation, a state of fight or flight. That is not healthy. We're not going to last. We're not going to have sustainability. And we all, we all got to stick around and be robust to keep fighting the good fight because um, we got a uh, worthy adversary. Yeah, we really do. We have a lot of people that um, are are quite happy and are working very hard to continually remove human, basic human rights and human decency. Um, talking to you, Republican Party, and all those people, um, and uh, yeah. So, just wanted to call that out at the beginning of the show. Find some joy. Find some time away. Find some distraction. Find some things that make you laugh, um, even when things aren't feeling dark and heavy. It's it's a necessary part of feeling all the feelings, you know, none of them are bad or wrong. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to protect yourself, how to hide your data, privacy and boundaries so that um, it's not weaponized. And it hurts my heart and my soul that it's even something to talk about. And then if we have time, we're going to also kind of expand outside of that a little bit all all centered around essentially reproductive justice and uh, rights, you know, Um, DMs always open. If you got a topic for us, uh, hit us up with it. Put it in the DMs on our LoveLine IG page. Topics you want us to hit, things you want us to drop deeper into, maybe circle back to. Also questions. You're helping other people as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be too, or just something we can all learn from. So put it in there. And past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com scroll down look for loveline click on it bam there they all are you can post re-listen and share lots of good stuff because we got unlearning to do stick around the more to come you're listening to loveline with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be right back
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: All right, Shaw, we're back and uh, talking about the difficult topic of privacy, protection, communication, um, technology. Ooh, we got to be careful. It leaves a uh, fingerprint. It leaves uh, us exposed. And... uh Supreme Court decided, as y'all know, to roll back our rights people uh, people's rights to have an abortion. And some of what people are doing online could be used against them. Uh, this is a reality. Data is being collected, and um, anything abortion related could be used against you. And uh, that information could be sold to other parties and could be used. I mean, because data brokers are constantly buying and selling people's information, and with some states. Putting into play some strict abortion restrictions, that means, um, ready for this one, charge abortion providers and some people that seek them with felonies. And some of this data can be used as evidence because of the digital footprint, heartbroken. Um, A study published by the University of Baltimore Law Review in 2020 uh, uncovered multiple criminal cases brought against women who were accused of self-inducing an abortion. In the cases horrifying, uh, the prosecutors sought to collect text messages, emails, and even search history in order to collect evidence to prove the accused. To prove the accused terminated their pregnancy, so this kind of data surveillance exists, and we need to be aware of it. It's a threat. Um, the framework for prosecutors to access news and information has already been set up, uh, and you know some of these tech companies and these social media platforms aren't going to protect you. And that's why you're seeing people say things like, delete your um, period tracking apps and data. And that's the first point. Delete your period tracking data. Uh, it's a reality. And some people are using period tracking apps. They were made popular to help people track their ovulation cycles. It's a break in security and, and, and whatnot. Delete it. Uh, one of them, this is fascinating. When I was digging deeper into the research, one of the more popular apps has more than 10 million users. Another one has more than 100 million. So right there, that's 110 million users whose information is in theory retrievable to be used and weaponized against them if someone thinks that they've had an abortion. 110 million people at risk, depending on what state they're in, of course. Whew, you know, we trust these apps. We think that our stuff is encrypted or protected. It's not. Um... Ready for this one? Both of those companies, one called Ovia, one called Flow, they both have been found to sell user data. Both of those companies, Ovia and Flow, sell their users data. So they're setting all the users up for possible pers- uh, prosecution because there's the data. Heartbroken. Delete that stuff. Mess with the information. Take it down. Delete it. Spread the word. Um, let's see. Another site kind of has taken some uh, sped up a little bit because they promise not to sell data. Uh, But the company will surrender information to law enforcement if asked, even without requiring a warrant. Read the fine print, y'all. Right now, we shouldn't be trusting any of these apps. So take your information down before it's too late. Spread the word, spread the word. We're purchasing plan B. We're purchasing a home at home abortion pills. We're stocking up on them so that we can have them for ourselves, our friends, our family, other individuals. Um, certain stores are now limiting that to three per three purchasing of three per person because you know, people are stockpiling, Ooh, brave new world y'all. And, uh, just quick commentary. I don't know if y'all saw people saying, Hey, stop with this handmaid's tale stuff because women of color are like, yo, um, welcome to the party white women. But this is what it's been like for women of color for decades. Where y'all been? And then, you know, finally it impacts white women and now y'all take up the fight, but this fight's been going on for a long time and that movie is really centering whiteness. I mean, think about how many characters are black or of color in that show too. It's a favorite show of mine. I'm not knocking the show. I think it's beautifully written, beautifully shot. Woof, that's quite a journey of violence. But um, people are saying, let's not reference it in relationship to that, because this has always been the battle. And that's why people are calling out what's going on right now with Roe versus Wade as very classist and uh, very racist, for sure. You know, a lot of people of privilege and means are going to be like, going to other states, you know, that are able to, you know, handle court costs, abortion costs, travel costs. Um, it's going to disproportionately impact, you know, people of lower socioeconomic means and people that aren't white. Um but anyway, delete these apps. <laughs> uh-huh. The information they collect is not covered under HIPAA, it is not protected health information, okay? So delete it. Um, which means only, you know, information or data that's operated by healthcare providers or insurance companies is HIPAA compliant and therefore protected, but these apps aren't. So spread the word, delete. Um, but yeah, that's what the experts are saying. Remove these apps from your phone, They said, but ready? Simply deleting the programs is not enough because that does not remove your data. Remember, if you just delete Tinder off your phone, your little face is still floating out there for the world to see. You're still quote unquote uh, logged on, logged in. You have to actually delete your account and then delete it off your phone. And that's why if you re-download Tinder, having not deleted your account, you pop right back up. And that's what they're pointing out. So don't just remove the icon from your phone by clicking on it and when it starts vibrating, hitting delete, you actually need to remove your data. So I also gave you a tip with your dating apps, when you're on off of those, delete your account and then delete it off your phone. Um, Yeah, because just taking it off doesn't remove it. Ready for this one? And this is where again, y'all, I know that we don't all read the fine print, but I was referencing one of those apps a minute ago. Um, One of them, flow it maintains a record of your data for up to three years after your account is inactive like so your stuff is already going to be crack lacking on there for three years i don't know why i'm calling it that and so these other apps won't delete your records unless you request it so what does that mean it means delete your data from flow send an email to support at flow.health requesting that everything is deleted um and then the other apps go to settings and click delete my data I know y'all, this is the world we're living in. We have to talk about these things, but it's a good reminder. It's a good wake-up call. That's why I don't really use apps where I put my information in like that. I don't trust them. Um, all right, we're gonna talk more about this because this is vital. Stick around, y'all. Brave New World, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, talking about the unfortunate topic of how to hide your connection to abortion so as to prevent your uh, searching for data, uh, providing data, accessing information doesn't get weaponized and used against you. We're talking about how some of these major period tracking apps uh, don't protect information, sell your information to second and third parties. Um, and uh, millions and millions of users surrendering information to law enforcement, uh, not covered under, you know, um, health protection, such as HIPAA, and scarily enough, how some of them hold on to your information for up to three years. And so you want to both delete your data and the app off your phone. Don't just delete it off your phone. It's like the dating apps. You also have to delete your account. And then you want to email some of these apps like Flow, Um, email them support at flow.health and request all of your information, your account to be deleted. Uh, It can take up to 28 days. Other apps like Ovia, go to settings, select delete my account and data. Scary stuff, also get a VPN. And this is new for a lot of us. That's a private network, virtual private network. Basically creates an encrypted tunnel that protects your online activity. Um, We should be all doing that for privacy and boundaries anyway. just Our kids, our partners, other individuals aren't following up on what we're looking at. That's private. No one gets to have access to some of the things we're thinking, writing about, or accessing. You get to have privacy and boundaries from literally everyone, even your therapist. You're allowed to keep some things to yourself, believe it or not. Um, It's not a cure-all for online privacy, but consider it uh, as part of your security toolkit. This is coming from experts that are speaking specifically to abortion healthcare information. Basically, a VPN, again, virtual private network, creates an encrypted tunnel that protects your online activity from things like internet service providers and law enforcement. The law doesn't have a right to know what you're Googling. That is private protected information. Forget that. Be using these VPNs all the time. You should not have... Yep, that is privacy. Um, The Freedom of Press Foundation recommends several different VPNs that meet minimum standards and provide reliable protection. Mulvad, Mozilla VPN, IVPN, Proton VPN, and Surfshark. Again, Mulvade, Mozilla VPN, IVPN, Proton VPN, and Surfshark. And then you install them. iPhones, Androids, and Windows and Mac can all receive the installation of a VPN. Just kind of Google how to do it. Um, it hurts my heart that we even have to talk about things like this, but we have to protect ourselves technology and these apps and these, uh, platforms don't protect us. They sell your information. That's how a lot of them make money. Also using a secure browser to protect online information, Google Chrome, Microsoft edge. They all have privacy focused browsers that will not keep your data, um, won't keep your data or track your online activity. And I think we should all be using that, like I said earlier, to protect ourselves from prying eyes, whether that's someone who you live with or, you know, law enforcement. Oh, this stuff is so misused. Um, Then there's privacy-minded search engines like DuckDuckGo, which have built-in secure browsers. That's for iPhone and Android. I'm going to look into that myself, DuckDuckGo. uh, Privacy, they block trackers on web pages that you visit um, and doesn't track your history. It's a wild when you really look at how many sites uh sell your information, track your information, store and log your information. Woo! It's a mess. Onion browser for iPhone, Tor browser for Android, use other forms of technology. Then there's things like secure communications, uh protecting your digital footprint. Bam. Um We talk a lot about things like that because things are stored in the iCloud, but there's an app called Signal, which a lot of activists use. You can download it on your phone and you can text and call and it's end-to-end encryption and additionally offers the ability to set your messages to disappear or be deleted after a specified period of time. How awesome is that? Just kind of have those settings set up so that it just automatically deletes your information as you go. And as I said, it's end-to-end encrypted. Um, We'll protect you. You know, we got to do things like that. So Signal is that uh, app. Um, And then also just to be aware of some of the code words, people using words like camping to let others know that I'm a safe space. You'll see people talking about, hey, if you're looking to go camping in my state, I can help you camp if you come to my state. And they'll use that word as a code word for abortion. Um, Also, one of the other things that a lot of these um, people were talking about is also just what you're posting. Cause that's also part of your digital trail. It's not just about obscuring. They say your search engine and other data that might reveal that you were seeking care. It's also about ex- not explicitly revealing anything as well. So if you're someone who posts a lot of stuff on social media, even if it's just to close friends or in a private group, don't share anything about your abortion. People can keep it, screenshot it, log it and code it. It's a mess y'all, because basically what they're trying to do is get people to turn in other people. Yeah. We're headhunting now we're turning people in even, even just because of suspicion, you know, we don't necessarily even have to have a lot of information. It's quite scary. It's a wild time, things like this. So, um, take care of yourselves. You know, Love has got your back. We're all about reproductive justice. We're all about human rights. We're feminists. We're sex positive. And um, we're pro-abortion. It's not just pro-choice. We're pro-abortion. I'm, pro th- I'm pro-abortion because I'm pro having people having the ability to make that decision for themselves for whatever reason. People have to have body autonomy and, men- and center the mental health. Um, I will always advocate for that. All right, coming up next, we're gonna do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back or drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Love IG page. And past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, where to come? You're listening to Love with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
3: Sliding into the DMs.
2: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I recently found out that my boyfriend of five years has been secretly hanging out with his childhood friends. Well, good on him. I'm glad he's still connected and close to them. I hope your first thought was, wow, I hope he's enjoying himself and having fun. And then your second thought, I hope, was what's going on and how am I presenting and showing up that makes him not feel safe telling me things? Because that's always going to be the first question. I'm not even reading the rest of your question yet. If someone is withholding something from us, I want us to always first examine ourselves. We are so ready to make everything about everyone else. And as I say on the show, whenever I bring up a topic, first ask yourself, is that me? Ah, Dr. Chris is talking about emotional abuse. Do I do these things? Dr. Chris is talking about narcissism. Do I do these things before we start diagnosing and pointing our finger at everyone? And that's a version of that. If someone keeps secrets from you, I want the first question to be am i unsafe for this person to to come to with information when they tell me things that frustrate me disappoint me or make me uncomfortable do i attack do i blame am i am i emotionally you know violent and unavailable because if so then they you aren't safe for them to go to and they do have to set certain boundaries with privacy Of course, there might be something that they're doing that they can't stand behind, but I wanna first always have us assess ourselves. That's how we learn and grow. That's how therapy works. This show operates kind of like therapy. When a client comes in, it's all about the client and how they might be driving or part of a system that's creating something. It's never about blaming this other person. Back to your question though, you said, your partner, your boyfriend of five years has been uh, secretly hanging out with his childhood friends. He's not cheating on me, but these friends are wrapped up in pretty bad things. I'm not sure how to handle the situation because they were friends from the beginning, but I feel uncomfortable with them getting back in touch and close again. Well, you don't have to be comfortable, and he's not asking you to see them or spend time with them, so you know, all you can do is just basically say, I don't want to spend time around them. I wouldn't feel comfortable with them being in my life, but guess what? He does. And I don't know what those bad things are. All you can say to him is, hey, I hope that they're not having a bad influence on you. And all you can say is, hey, I want everyone that's in your life to um, be enhancing for you. And and can you help me understand what your friendship is rooted in and about? And if he says something like, I appreciate that they're still participating in A, B, C, and D, which whatever the bad things are Uh, but yes we have a relationship outside of those things he might say and I really value them because they've known me for a long time well then there it is remember just because you're married to someone or someone your boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't mean you get to tell them what to do you don't get to tell them who to be friends with you don't you don't get to do that Um, relationships aren't about ownership or control that's toxic it's about us having a companion on our journey a support system And, you know, all of those things. And yes, anything your partner does in theory has the capacity of impacting you. So you get to set a boundary. But boundaries are about us saying what we will do or what we will not do. If you're telling someone else what to do, that is inappropriate and that's not a boundary. Boundaries are, I am not comfortable being around these people. I don't necessarily want to hear about these people. That you have a right to do, set a boundary. But you can't tell someone else what to do because then we've left boundary land and now we're in control land and that's toxic. You don't get to tell other adults what to do. So I'm sorry that's happening. That must be distressing to find that out. Um, I would more importantly talk to him about why did you feel the need to not share that with me? Is there something I can learn about myself in our relationship as to why you didn't feel safe telling me that? He might not have felt you would have handled it well And I'd want you to create a relationship where he can share anything with you. And that if it's something you don't enjoy or feel okay about, he can tell you and you can reflect that back and say, oh, that made me uncomfortable to hear. But of course you get to do what you need to do and what you want to do because you're an adult and slavery is illegal and toxic monogamy is not healthy and I would never try to control you. But you get to set a boundary and say, I don't want to be around them. You can even say something and I don't necessarily want to hear about them, but I'm glad that they're in your life and you unpack what they bring to his life. And you lovingly listen. And I know it's not always ideal or perfect, but that's how relationships work, you know? Um, It's how these things go. I have a lot of people in my life, I have friends still in my life since I was 15 or 16. And they're up to all sorts of kinds of things. I'm very thoughtful about who I bring around me because I only wanna be positively influenced. But I might have a partner who might potentially not value or enjoy them. And that's okay, they don't have to. And I would say to my partner, I'll spend time with you. And when I spend time with them, it'll just be me and them. Case closed. Case closed. You know, all right, more to come. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. More to come. We'll be back. So stick around and don't go anywhere. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And, um, Going to talk quickly about some information. This is coming from a couple of different sites, mainly Planned Parenthood. And as always, my advice is for entertainment purposes first, also for some education, but please always talk with your own primary and do your own research. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about the difference between an in office abortion and an abortion pill, um, basically, you know, a medication based abortion, because um, you're going to hear more and more about it. I just was listening to the news and there's Um, a company out of the UK called uh, aid access. And basically you can teleconference with a doctor in England or overseas, and they will write your prescription and mail you the abortion pills. Uh, I was on the local news. They were talking about it. Now you have to look at the, you know, what's going on in your current state. Also, there are some States that are still, you know, keeping abortion legal and they're setting up um, right at the border of States where it's illegal Um, essentially, on-site services. So you just have to walk your feet right over the border. Um, Okay, so this is coming out of a Planned Parenthood difference between a medication abortion, known as the abortion pill, um, and in-clinic abortions. So how does it work? Well, in-clinic, it's done by a doctor or a nurse, and they use instruments, where the medication abortion, you take pills that end your pregnancy, and they essentially make your uterus expel the tissue. How well does it work? Well, in office, it works about 99% of the time. The pills, which are done at home, um, eight weeks of pregnancy or less, it works 94 to 98 percent of the time. Eight to nine weeks, it works at about 94 to 96 percent of the time. Nine to 10 weeks, it works 91 to 93 percent of the time. Um, how long does it take in office? Uh, procedure usually takes about 10 minutes. Um, and otherwise, uh, at, you know, you can get the pills and you take two different medicines up to two days apart. Um, <clears throat> most of the time the abortion is over within 24 hours after you take the second pill, uh, you'll have to do a follow-up visit or phone call in some places, uh, and some states require you to come to the center itself. So important information for people to be aware of, um, again, do your own research, talk to your healthcare providers, be very thoughtful about what you post, do not post publicly anywhere, even in a private group about abortions. And be very thoughtful about what you're Googling, texting, et cetera, et cetera. You know, earlier in the show, go to, wearechannelq.com, And you can go back and listen. We were talking about different ways to kind of protect yourself. Uh, cause again, this is all getting weaponized, um. And then basically just the mental health part, look, we all need to have people in our corner that we can talk to that we feel safe with, that we can process any thoughts, feelings, fears, anxieties, someone to go with us, do it with us, keep an eye on us, talk to afterwards. We need community care and social support. So try to start to identify maybe some some of who those people might be able to be And um, also, even for those that aren't directly considering or needing an abortion, you still are gonna have feelings about what's going on. And again, we wanna have social support and community care. So reach out and talk to people. Pretty much every single patient in my practice, whether cis or male, um, I'm sorry, cis or trans, male or female, are bringing it up and talking about their experience, what it means for them to be an American at this time, what it means for them to be their gender at this time, friends, family members. Um, and a lot of people really create, you know, I was at an event over the weekend and <clears throat> we held some space for females that wanted to come up and share their experience around this. And it was really beautiful and very healing and really heartbreaking to hear people talk about their journeys and their experiences and all of them, you know, again, talking about how important it is for them to feel like they have power and control over their bodies and what happens to them and uh, being able to make decisions about their future. And, uh, these are big decisions and these should be left to the individual, the individual and their doctor, but more so the individual, um, doctors maybe should weigh in on, you know, what, what procedures are possible, but the individual themselves should determine for themselves what happens to their bodies at all times. Um, so that's why you know we talk about well we don't have to get off topic but yeah that's an important part of mental health it's a cornerstone um and a lot of clients i've worked with uh you know are really thankful that they've had the options they've had and the access they've had Um, and the research shows that um you know when done thoughtfully and with uh social support Um, not a lot of mental health issues as a result. And in fact, quite the opposite, people feel relieved. (laughs) You know, you see those pregnancy commercials and everyone's generally excited. That's not the case for everyone. I wish some of those pregnancy, um, test commercials would show some other realities where some people are very disappointed. It's heartbreaking. It's crushing. Not everyone's in a healthy environment or in a healthy relationship or has the finances or the structural support to take on another life. And, um, you know, okay, enough about that, um, we're going to take a moment away, and then we're going to come back. And we're going to keep the conversation going. DMs, as always, we're going to be winding down on that. So got a question for us. Bam, dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential and past episodes of the show over at we are channel scroll down for love line and click on it you can binge post re-listen and share why because it's all about the unlearning and then we have so much relearning to do we need better mental health centered perspectives and ideas so um we will be working on that. But the DMs also put in there any topic maybe you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, um, maybe a topic you've not heard us really cover yet. Let us know. Otherwise, y'all stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Going to get some stats and figures. This is coming out of some research done by the American Psychological Association, the good old APA, Um, and they're weighing in. And basically their headline is that restricting access to abortion leads to negative mental health outcomes and mental health Harms. Really important. This is mental. I'm sorry. This is American Psychological Association again, and they're responding to the U.S. Supreme Court decision, which will eliminate the constitutional right to obtain an abortion. And uh, we're looking at decades of research uh, demonstrating the harm to women's mental health if abortions are outlawed or made difficult to obtain. Here's a quote: rigorous long-term psychological research demonstrates clearly that people who are denied abortions are more likely to experience higher levels of anxiety, lower life satisfaction, lower self-esteem compared to those who are able to obtain them. Uh, And uh, in addition, the president of the APA says that there is no research to indicate that abortion is a cause for subsequent mental health diagnoses. Um and again, that's the Roe v. Wade response, and and I love that. Uh, talking about you know, someone's mental health is powerfully tied, no shocker, to someone's ability, their own ability to control when and if they have a child. Think about it; it's a, it's a it's a it's a no brainer. Um, and as we pass laws that restrict access to safe, legal abortion, it's going to affect those, you know, that are more marginalized and 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 um of lesser access and privilege, such as people of color, people that are living in poverty, and sexual and gender minorities. Um again, we'll look at the research. It suggests that adding barriers to abortion services increases stress, anxiety, and depression. Um, and then they go on, you know, this, is, I'm looking at three pieces of research and they talk about, um, well, they kind of repetitively say the same thing. Um, but I think that this is important because we want to have actual data and it was rigorous studies, uh, a wealth of studies that is giving us those findings. Um, Now, look, let's look at some information coming out of the APA, the American Pregnancy Association. I mean, I I think these people might know something. Oh, my God. And according to the American Pregnancy Association, abortion um, does not increase. Abortion does not increase a woman's risk for mental health complications over the long term. And that being denied an abortion can actually cause more emotional distress than receiving one. Everyone responds differently. And there's a lot of other factors to um, consider. And I think that that's important that they point that out. You know, Social support matters. Um, rates of self-esteem matter. Other occurring factors matter. Like what else is going on in this individual's life? What meaning are they making out of this? Are they empowered or disempowered in other ways? Are they financially secure? Like there's so many factors that go into how someone responds to something like this. So let's now just spend some more time. So I wanna make sure I'm covering all the bases. How does one cope having had an abortion? Because I'm hoping that those that can have access still will. People will travel if they need to. We're talking about at-home abortions. Um, The first thing that the research constantly talks about is, again, access to people that you feel safe with, that you can talk to. Having someone in it with you. That will always be something that prevents the onset of some mental health issues or decreases the impact. And um, we also know that having access to social supports also reduces uh, the possibility of a post-traumatic stress response, uh, PTSD, that the access, how quickly and how accessible social supports are, are what prevent that. So when we talk about natural disasters, big T trauma, small T traumas, how quickly you can access, how available they are and how supportive they are really mitigates all of that. Um, So then it goes to the next point, which is don't isolate yourself, kind of circles back to the first point. talk to some mental health professionals, talk to some primary care physicians, um, I love this one, recognition of not allowing people to pressure you. There's a lot of people in your life that are gonna have a lot of opinions about getting an abortion, not getting an abortion, how you should manage getting one, how you should manage afterwards. And you have to really, really, really take all that with a grain of salt and you have to decide for yourself because again, remember, this is your choice and your choice alone. When people say things like, it should be up to you know the individual and their doctor. Well, the doctor should weigh in on options, but it's up to you. You should make the decision. It's your body, it's your future, it's your life, it's your finances, it's your mental health, It's your physical health. You know, um, births are risky. You know, birthing a child is 14 times more dangerous than a medical abortion. Childbirth is not safe. Um, And women of color actually have higher rates of mortality around abortions. Um, again, not surprising, but these are the factors that we need to take into account. Who are we talking about? What kind of supports do they have? Um, how does their, you know, intersecting identity impact all this? So we don't want people to pressure us, um, evaluate all your options and, uh, get the best care. So kind of vague responses, but, um, yeah. So we want to talk about that. We want We definitely want to consider the mental health impacts. I, I don't hear enough people talking about that. I was watching the news. I'm watching all the different opinions, the different angles, and it's mentioned maybe subtly. Uh, we talk more about the reproductive justice component, which I think is important and the racism and white supremacy in it. I get it all important, but the mental health piece needs to be brought in a little bit more, you know, what kind of outcomes as a result of denial and access. Um, and you can see it on people's faces. I mean, when you're watching the news, and you're seeing all the individuals that are protesting and sharing their stories. They're horrified. They're anxious. They're scared. They're in fear. They're angry. I mean, it's profound. And um, there's not a lot of good reasoning other than the religious reasoning that's being brought up as to why that's happening. And this you know, idea of being pro-life but then so anti-life at the same time by not considering you know, child care, health care um the rights of women and individuals that can birth. It's quite wild. It's it's quite wild, quite hypocritical. Um but we're gonna keep talking about it, you know? And again, for those that are angry, let that let that anger radicalize you. Uh the Democrats are too soft. I'm sorry. Biden is not doing enough and it's never has. Uh clearly the Republican Party is nasty as hell. But um let it radicalize you, you know, let it mobilize and radicalize and let's step into action and solution. Um all right, uh, we're going to be back. So if you got some questions, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, drop deeper into, circle back to, put them all in there, anonymous, confidential. That's the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share. Lots of good stuff, got to unlearn and relearn. But uh, we'll be back y'all, so don't go anywhere. Take some time to kind of rock out to the jams. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, all we're back talking about abortion, abortion access, mental health impacts. Looking at some of the new science, there's a lot of bad science out there. A lot of the research is reflecting back on some of the horrible messaging and information that's been disseminated at this point. Um, so um, just be very thoughtful about where your research is coming from. Uh, interesting research I found, though, talking about how more than half more than half of American women live in states that are hostile to abortion rights and have trigger laws. So we're talking about more than half. That's huge. Um, and of course, as I've said on the show before, and we've kind of been talking about publicly that the majority of those seeking abortions live below the poverty line and can't necessarily travel. And um, trying to figure out ways to help these people meet, get their needs met. Um, This was interesting. A really big study uh, followed women who had terminated their pregnancy over the course of three to five years. And it concluded that women experienced decreasing emotional intensity over time. And that 95%, 95% of the women in this study did not regret their decision. Um, And then we look at the impacts of forced um, parenthood. Just listen to that word. (laughs) You know, so painful even to say. And um A lot of research looking at how it leads to, excuse me, cycles of trauma and um, intergenerational trauma and also domestic violence for couples and families that weren't ready, prepared or healthy enough or stable enough to really support a child being brought in. Um, That is important to think about. They talk about it as though it doesn't matter. You know, they'll say things like, oh, it's always important for the couple to stay together for the child. That is not true. Children need healthy households. They need supportive caregivers. They don't need two. They don't need a man and a woman. It's better for them to be with two separate parents than two parents that are miserable and violent. Same thing with abortions it's not oh any family is perfect for a child no some families are not ideal some some individuals are healthy enough to acknowledge that they're not meant to be parents or just don't want to be those things do impact the quality of life and mental health of the child not just the parents birthing that child or being forced to have that child but one of the uh key quotes that i kept finding in uh three different pieces of research was that um in the 90 to 90 percentile of participants that they reported decision rightness. What an interesting concept, but they felt really confident in their decision um, and knew that they had made the right decision. Um, And you're gonna hear maybe a little bit about a study called the Turnaway Study, and that's about people that were denied abortions. And I talked about that on a previous show, I think it was last week, but um, 95%, 90 to 95%, depending on the study showed, again, feeling very confident in their decision rightness as a result of an abortion. In contrast, those who were turned away, you'll see this in the turnaway study, or were denied abortions, they report primarily negative mental health outcomes um, in the short to long term, uh, six months on. Uh, this is heartbreaking, sorry, I'm just kind of paging through here. Yeah, and really powerfully and beautifully, a lot of them conclude with similar statements that the freedom to choose, the freedom to make decisions is essential to our well-being. And I was actually happy to see that a, a, a few more, not not many, but a few more articles were talking about trans men and non-binary individuals and how um, they can also you know, give birth and how this also impacts them. And how sadly, but understandably, um, their road is a lot, a lot tougher. You know, there's transphobia people reference only CIS women. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, their identity and their ID matching. I mean, there's a lot of obstacles, so we got to hold space for that. Um, and stuff saying pregnant women, saying pregnant people, people that can get pregnant, people with uteruses. Um, we do want everyone to feel included because well, they are part of this battle. Um, Anyway, interesting times. My heart is broken. I'm not sure what's to come next. Um, it's really hard for us to necessarily have hope that uh, this is going to go the way we want. Things might be getting worse. But again, as I keep saying, let this motivate you into action and not resignation. Let this radicalize you and not have you collapsing, you know, taking time away and taking time with i want us to be aware of what's happening so i want us to lean in and lean out kind of oscillating a little bit back and forth so we've talked on the show um in an earlier show about how we can kind of look out for our mental health during difficult political times um but also make sure we're checking out on other people right not everyone's good at managing or monitoring themselves and we want to make sure we're checking in and being supportive Um, And also, as I keep saying, carving out time for some joy, pleasure, and rest. We need that anyway, but we especially need that during these difficult times where everything seems like a trigger. I can't go two seconds without encountering this topic. Patients are wanting to talk about it. I'm seeing it on my feed constantly. I'm seeing it on the news. People that I talk to, I haven't spoken to a while, are bringing it up. I mean, it's really, really in our faces, but it should be so um anyway love lines got your back we're gonna keep talking about it trying to bring information keeping us up to date on what our options are and always kind of taking it from a mental health perspective so um oh i really hope i have good news soon (laughs) you know we, we need a little bit of light in that darkness um god yeah who knows what's coming but um yes we're gonna need to definitely take this energy to the polls and vote um And sometimes voting is about harm reduction. You know, we talked about that in in the election with Biden. Biden, I wasn't a full fan, but it was harm reduction. And a lot of people are like, yeah, how's that working out? And I'm like, touche, touche. I appreciate that. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. Got some questions, drop them in there, topics, drop them in there, past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it, but don't go anywhere. we got so much more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Oh, Rachel, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
3: Sliding into the DMs.
2: DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into... Put them all in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always confidential, always anonymous, and as you're helping other people, you're helping yourself too, so good stuff. Um, All right, let's see what the question is. Hey, Dr. Chris, I've been dating this girl for nine years. Um, She's Persian Jewish. Uh, Nine years, good on you. I'm a 32-year-old black African. Okay, she's Persian Jewish. Uh, she's 33 and a Persian, Persian Jewish. You're 32, black African. Uh, you're. She's born and raised in LA. Wow, I got to hold all these different details. I'm assuming they're important if you're putting them in here. I've never met her parents or siblings. Okay, I'm ready to commit and spend the rest of my life with her. Well, you're ready to commit and see if you both are able to, over the long haul, create a relationship that's worth having sustainability. That's all you can say. No one should just say, I commit for forever, toxic or not. We're no, it should be, I'm committing to trying. I'm committing based on the person I am now, based on the person you are. I'm committing based on the relationship we have. And if and when that changes, we'll renegotiate and talk about it. Because every year we're gonna sit down and decide if we should keep doing this so that it's healthier for both of us. That's what you meant to say. Back to your question. You said she's scared of marriage because it can mean losing her family. Oh, I see where this is going. You're black, African, she's Persian Jewish, and I'm gonna assume her family wants her to date or marry someone Jewish. Well, luckily her her family's thoughts don't matter. What matters is what she thinks because she's an adult. (laughs) Back to the question. She's concerned her family and parents will not accept the relationship. What do I do? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This isn't really a therapy question per se. Um, Propose to her. And if she says yes, you marry her and you deal with whatever comes up. Propose. And if she says no, then you deal with that disappointment. That's really what it's about. This isn't your issue. This is hers. She has to decide how she wants to relate to her family. She has to decide what means more. Her family's problematic limited views or you in the relationship and potential marriage. There is nothing for you to figure out. You know, you want to be with her. Case closed. Propose. And it becomes her decision if she can accept that proposal. It becomes her decision if she's willing to step into the conflict that that might cause. It becomes her decision if she wants to honor um, what I think is a little bit of a prejudicial perspective. Anytime someone's saying you have to do A because we don't appreciate value or support B, there's a prejudice, prejudice in that, that's problematic. But that's on her to decide. You don't need to take that on. So again, propose and let them decide. And for everyone listening, can we can we stop these kinds of ideas that there's a right certain kind of person someone needs to be with? Because it's hard for people to find matches and love, and love should be what's most important. And their cultural, racial, um, ethnic and religious belief systems have nothing to do with anything and don't promise anything. There's a lot of horrible Jewish people. I'm Jewish. There's a lot of horrible Jewish people. Please don't assume that because your daughter marries someone Jewish that that's a good thing or all's well. There's horrible, there's any category of any kind of human being, there's going to be horrible people within that and good people. Um, I'm also Christian. There's a lot of horrible Christian people. Are you kidding me? Most Christians are absolutely horrible. They don't even understand the Bible and how it all works. It's a a mouthful scripture and a heartful of hate or a heart, a mouthful hate and a heartful scripture, however it goes, I don't know. Um, so again, this isn't your issue. So don't worry about it, this is on her to decide what she wants to do. And it would really bum me out if she chose her parents problematic, outdated perspectives and opinions over you and the relationship. You've been together for nine years. So it's kind of surprising to me that it's only at this point that there's really a problem. What has she been doing for nine years in relationship to her having been with you? Um, That I don't even understand. Uh, Yeah, nine years later. Yeah, not your problem. Not your baby crying, you know? Good luck with that one, though. Let me know what you choose to do. DMs come from our Loveland and G page. Put them all in there. Um, That's our show, though. So focus the rest of the time today on kindness, rest, pleasure, leisure. We'll be back tomorrow. So put some questions in DMs. In those Love Line AG page and uh, past episodes, we are channelq.com. Scroll down for Love Line to click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. Lots of good stuff we got to unlearn and relearn because we have perspectives like this where people think that these different identities promise something positive or important and they don't. Within every identity category, there is a wealth of different kinds of individuals, there's no universality within that. All right, y'all, have a good rest of your night. Take care of each other. Thanks
1: for hanging out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.